Thank you for tuning in to part two. We're, we're starting all over again with the Res podcast. This time we're tackling all types of tough, challenging issues that maybe don't always get the light of day from the pulpit on a Sunday morning, but they're important, um, especially because the climate of the culture today, we are pulled this way and that way, and we're just really seeking the Bible and how we can make sense of the broken world that we are living in. So join us. back and today we are talking about politics so it's it's interesting to me you said today we're talking like like we've are, this is the second one we've done today you guys are going to experience yes. them in so but so if you didn't notice we're all wearing the, the same, same exact, exact outfits yeah. but we are talking about politics one of the two things you're not supposed to talk about at the family table um what's but, the other one noah Religion. The other one's my favorite. The one that we the, yeah we all love <laughs> to talk <laughs> about. But no, we're we're talking about politics and and how our religion should hopefully inform our politics. So we're talking about both things that we so can talk about. Yes. The <laughs> so we're we're talking about all of it. Again, I'm joined with Dan Leffingwell and Brian Shore. I'm Noah Lewis, for those of you who wanted to know. Um, but yeah, we're talking about politics. And this, I think, whether you're a Christian or not, is a topic that will get you in trouble. It'll make you a lot of friends, and it'll also make you a lot of enemies. So how do we, how do we engage in politics? Um, well, the first question I want to ask is, as Christians, should we engage in politics? Hmm. Dan, do you want to start us off? Yeah. So I think um, throughout this conversation, we're going to kind of have – so we have dual citizenship in – so we talked about this in the last one uh, where we are kingdom ambassadors, but we're also American citizens right. um, or citizens of whatever nation you're watching this from. I don't know. It's on the internet, so anyone <laughs> can access it. Um, uh, so we have two responsibilities, I guess. Because we are supposed to be, you know, good citizens. We're supposed to submit to the governing authorities. We talked about that last time. Um, but our highest authority is, of course, Scripture and the, the Word of God and mm. what, um, what the Lord has, has said to us. And so we have, uh, we have this tension that we live in where um, we're trying to be good American citizens and we're also... First and foremost, trying to be kingdom citizens, and so uh, wh- what it looks like, um, I think, is uh, just living in that tension. Um, man, I am so sorry. What was the exact word so, of the question? No, no, you you did offer some good insight, um, but I guess I want to know: should we engage? Oh, sure, mm-hmm. because. I think there's a whole subset of Christians that would say, no, just like Mm. leave that over there. I'm not going to engage Mm. with politics. So I guess my question is, should we engage in politics as Christians? Yeah. So that's where I was going with that. And then my 
my train of thought started <laughs> veering off the rails at some point. Like it does. Um, as it frequently does. But should we engage in politics? Uh, yes. Um, one of the reasons we should engage in politics as Christians is because we, we desire to see lives lived out in a godly fashion. Mm. Um, and so... In, in that sense, one of the one of the you know obvious ways to do that is through our politics and how how we vote, whom we vote for, uh, things that we endorse. Uh, and Brian said this last time: we won't fall, or at least we shouldn't fall, perfectly into one camp or the other. There should always be this tension where we see we we like this, but we don't like this, and we see this in scripture, but that's nowhere to be found, and. Um, living somewhere in that tension of the desire of us participating in politics isn't necessarily to further America right. or even to further human flourishing, uh, which democracy says that that's what, that's what we do um, when we engage in politics. But our, our primary objective is to further the kingdom of God and glorify him even in our politics. That's good. And so, uh, should we participate in politics? Yes. Uh, does it look like how we participate in politics now? Probably not. <laughs> yeah. No, I hear that. I think political lethargy is both understandable and irresponsible. Mm -hmm. um, I get it. I get it. There, there are times I want to throw up my hands and just say, like, if this is how we're going to play the game, I'm not participating. Right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> not a fan of the mudslinging. Not a fan of the conspiratorial rhetoric and how wrapped up in all of it we can become. And, um, and just assuming that. Uh, I think it's easy to assume that certain people are just raw evil mm. when when you're not in any sort of a relationship with mm. them. And, and this is part of the brokenness of like a social media driven society mm -hmm. is uh, I started seeing it happen years ago where people would say things like, and it's so common today that it's just like, yeah, yeah, we've heard <laughs> this. Um, but I remember when it was new where people would say, uh, I stand for this. And if you don't agree, unfriend me right now, unfollow. Yeah. yeah change the channel, whatever the case. And and what that did over time, because we live in a culture where, and we acknowledge this from the outset of this episode, you don't talk about politics and religion. And all that's done is it's created a generation of people who are completely incapable of talking about politics and religion. Mm -hmm. uh, and so we don't know how to have civil conversation. We don't know how to disagree with one another and maintain respect. And so we don't have the conversations with people with whom we disagree. Yeah. And so we've created echo chambers where every voice coming back to us sounds just like the voice coming out from us. Mm -hmm. And it's done us as a nation and as individuals a grave disservice. Um, and so I get it. I, I get why you would opt out of political discourse. It is venomous and exhausting, exhausting and <laughs> awful. And but I also think that it's irresponsible, especially. Mm -hmm in the United States of America. 
And the reason I say that is because you know, so, uh, democracy is called the, the great experiment, right? And so the United States of America truly is a, is a, a democratic republic, or at least it should be. Um, it's supposed to be a democratic republic. And so uh, it, it, it is an experimental structure of government where uh, the people aren't governed by some other class sure. of people, but by themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and whether or not it plays out that way is, is, is something totally other than. But as a part of, and so again, we'll go back to what we talked about last week or last last episode with uh, being kingdom ambassadors, uh, we have a responsibility to seek the good of the nation in which mm-hmm. we are exiles. I was actually just looking sure. for the, the reference to that and couldn't find it off the top of my head. But we have a responsibility to seek the good of the nation mm-hmm. in which we are exiles. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and if you pay attention to the exile, the exilic prophets in Scripture, the Lord blessed them in exile. Right. And so, yeah, we've been entrusted with the United States of America that has a political structure so that we can have some measure of say in, in the direction of our nation. Mm-hmm. It is our responsibility to participate in the process and to be informed about how we do that, to mm-hmm. do that to the best of our ability. The slippery slope is... Um, that we can place our hope there mm, yeah. and get let down and that we can take the measure of responsibility that God's placed into our hands in this and forget that he's sovereign over all of it yeah, uh, and think that it, it's, it somehow depends on us. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, it doesn't, right? And so uh, the, the king's heart is like channels of water in the hands right. of the Lord. He turns it wherever he wishes. And so... God's writing a story, and we get to play a part, and it is our responsibility and a privilege that God's entrusted to us that we live in a time and in a place where we can participate in government even as regular Joe Schmo citizens. Mm-hmm. That's good. So being Christians, our goal is to see his kingdom come, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We want to see the completion of the Great Commission. Is there a way in which that goal and us joining in on politics, is there a way that we might act differently than somebody that doesn't have that same goal in mind that they're just simply trying to maybe better their family or maybe just trying to improve the quality of their community. Should it, should it change anything that we are looking at America, but we're looking at America as in we want America to know Jesus how should that change how we, we might deal with politics versus somebody else that doesn't have that goal? Yeah, I uh, actually, I've got, a, I've got a story I'd like to tell, and I'll, <laughs> I'll make a point out of it. When I was in high school, I drove a 1987 Ford Thunderbird, 
and it was just the jankiest car you'd ever seen in your life. Had One of the wheel wells was all rusted out. You could see the insulation. I could pull the radio out of the dashboard and hand it to the guy next to me. I'm I could pull the keys out while I was driving and throw them in the back seat at one of my buddies. It was it was funny. I would, if I pumped the gas, um, it, uh, it would just choke and die. It was just <laughs> the craziest car. And uh, one day, uh, the car just lost all get up and go. And and my dad, um, my dad was no mechanic. So he gets the car up on blocks and he gets under it and he takes this, uh, it's a gauging bit uh, in his drill and he just starts putting holes in the catalytic converter thinking that it's all gummed up and, and he's gonna open it up and it's gonna, it's, it's gonna help, it's gonna do something. <laughs> and of course it didn't, of course it didn't. Uh, and it was something else entirely. We had a friend who was a mechanic who wound up getting it fixed for us. And my dad, my dad was a sheet metal manufacturer, a sheet metal fabricator. And so what he did was he he, he closed it up with sheet metal and fire caulk, and and it was fine. It was it, car drove, um, <laughs> but but I, I said that to say, um, my dad was uninformed about how to fix the problem. He knew that there was a problem, mm. and he took what knowledge he had and he tried to fix it. Mm. Right, and so my dad's got power tools, and he's got sheet metal, and he knows it's probably got something to do with this part, and so he just puts a bunch of holes in it just to see if it helps. Right, and he's just trying to figure it out. Um, and I feel like that's a lot of times how we are in America, and so um, everyone sees the problems, mm. right? Like mm. that's that's why we get so impassioned about politics. Everyone sees the problems. Mm. Everybody knows that that there's obviously poverty and, um, and certain communities are more affected by poverty than others. And, 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 and that disparity creates uh, this, this real strong impression, whether it's actual or not. And I think that that's for people much smarter than me to figure out uh, of, uh, of an inequality. Mm. So not inequity, inequity is clearly there. Um, but whether there is an inequality that needs to be remedied and, mm-hmm. and, and X and Y and Z ad nauseum, right? So we see the problems. And here we are as like uninformed citizens just drilling holes in it, trying to get it to work, right? right. Uh, and we as Christians, I think, would say we, we've got probably a better idea of what's broken and I think we're putting the holes in the wrong places. Mm. Uh, I think I think we're addressing the problem in maybe the wrong ways. Yeah. And so it will it will change how we interact politically. So we've we've seen some devout Christians, whether we like them or not, is is aside. Christians who make no bones about the fact that they're Christians and who let their Christianity guide how they make policy, which is not often the case. And they don't usually make it particularly far in politics. So I think about like, again, and whether or not you like the guys totally aside, I think about like Mike Huckabee. Like Mike Huckabee owned it. He's like, I'm a Baptist pastor. I'm a bass guitar player. It was just kind of, it was his shtick. Um, And he didn't make it particularly far. So he was a presidential nominee. This was years ago. Um, But my, my guess is that he looked at what you see, right? And so... Our goal is that his kingdom would come and his will would be done. And we, as, as a people, as Christians, and not from a prosperity gospel standpoint, but we're convinced that so and so many of the, the problems that plague and have broken our culture would be remedied by mm. uh, a 
wholehearted devotion to Christ. Mm -hmm. And that's not to say that that he would just inject prosperity into the situation and remedy our, our poverty, but that the shift of our perspective when it comes to things like work or dignity or any any number of issues, the family, what it looks like to submit one to another in a marriage, etc. cetera. Uh, I think we're convinced that that would change some of these situations. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the world around us looks at us like we're crazy because they say, you haven't touched what's broken. And we said, yeah, it's not where you think it is. You're putting the holes in the wrong places. It's just my two cents. Yeah. I, uh, I think one of, the, one of the ways that we're trying to, quote, unquote, fix what's broken in America is um, we we look at the situation of of america and like you said whether it's whether it's poverty or uh, inequality or um war or just anything that america has going on right now um i think we look at the situation and uh we say we need to we need to change the system mm. We, we look at that and we say, we need to change uh, the governance. We, we look at it and we say, we need to change all of, all of the, the, the higher powers, I guess, in America. Um, we need to vote our people into office. We need to do this and do that. And I think um, one of the best ways that we can uh, play out politics um, is by you don't you have a broken arm you don't treat the entire body for the broken arm you put a cast on the broken arm and I think that uh, one of the best ways that we can quote unquote remedy America or save America is by by putting a cast on the broken hearts of the people in America putting putting the gospel uh, in their hands um, it's Certainly, it won't uh, it won't solve the systems. Mm. Um, I mean, that's uh, that that's the you know the thing that we look at, and it's it's big, it's exciting, it's you know it, it's elections, and it comes with fanfare. Uh, but I think a lot of the nitty gritty work of um, doing being kingdom ambassadors, being true kingdom ambassadors um, in a political realm is treating the hearts of the people of this nation with the gospel that they so desperately need. Um, because if we genuinely believe that Jesus changes everything, then that should be number one go-to, is treat the hearts of the people, treat the hearts of this nation, and the individuals in this nation, with the gospel. Uh, yeah. Right. I think a lot of us don't actually believe that, though. We don't actually mm. believe that Jesus changes everything. And so we're looking for Jesus and then also our political party. And if we can fuse these things together, somehow we'll be able to to fix a broken nation. But But just good old preaching the gospel and loving our neighbor is not going to do it. Um. Yeah, it's just not going to be enough to 
to change anything. And so I think that that's a lot of the times where we get people that will hold so near and dear to a political party, either on the left or on the right, because because we need like it's not going to change unless who I want in office is mm. is put in office. And then if they don't get voted in, well, then all hell will break loose mm. because because Jesus isn't enough. I need Jesus and my favorite politician. I remember where I heard it from. Um, I remember that it was a military veteran who had shared this with me, but I can't remember where I heard it from. Um, and this was someone who's not a believer. And what he said was, if you want to change the world, make your bed. Mm-hmm. And on principle, I really like that, right? Like there are, there are things in your world that are broken. And rather than focusing on affecting huge change, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and so overhauling the system or, you know, voting out this person, impeaching that person or whatever. Um, if you want to change the world, make your bed. Like, mm. is there someone on your block whose life you can change? Mm. Is there someone in your home Mm-hmm. whose life you can change, right? Like we can get so focused on going to the nations that we forget to go to the dinner table. Yeah. Right. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like that is that is powerful transformation time for our children. Mm. And we get so globally minded um, or so, so big scale in our ambition uh, that we might lose the small battles on the home front because our focus is... Mm. on on such a grand scale you want to change the world make your bed i I like that in Mm. concept no i like that too so as the pastor of a church you can't tackle with the veracity that you want to every single issue that comes to your front door um so then how do you decide what issues are I'm going to dive into or we as a church are going to dive mm-hmm. into because we can do everything in our power maybe to to stand up for the unborn babies and we can do everything in our power to to feed the hungry or to make sure that the homeless people get off the streets and that sex trafficking across the across the seas and here gets gets put to rest but how do you decide where you're going to focus your efforts mm. and what you're going to speak on, what you're going to not speak on, what you're going to give to, what you're not going to give to? Mm. So to a certain extent, um, to a certain extent, it's such a big question. On any given Sunday, my ambition is to preach at what I think is in the room. Mm. I don't want to, I don't want to, preach on something that I don't think is in the room. So I don't have any favorite sins to preach on. I've, I've said this before. Anybody who's mm-hmm. been here has heard me say this. I don't have any favorite sins. I don't have a preferred sin to preach against. Um, I'm equal opportunity in that regard. Um, Everybody can get it. Yeah, but, but if I don't feel like it's in the room, I'm probably going to leave it alone because I'm not interested in grunty amens from people who agree with me. Yeah, I'm interested in seeing life change, right? Resurrection Church exists to see lives transformed by the love of God through the power of the gospel. The gospel bids us mm. to come and die. Sure. Um, 
And, and sometimes that means I'm going to hit on greed. And sometimes mm-hmm. that means I'm going to hit on sexual immorality. And sometimes that means that I'm going to, uh, but so here at resurrection, I'm, I'm probably, I'm probably not going to talk about certain sins that people wish that I would. And if I don't, it's only because I don't perceive that it's in the room. So what about specific, uh, just like community injustices then mm. that, that, might not be happening in here, but right outside in the community, yeah. there's a lot of hungry folks. Yeah. And right outside of the community, there are people who, there are moms that that accidentally got pregnant and they need somebody to take them in. And mm-hmm. a little bit further down, there's some more homelessness. And there's just like, how do you decide where you're going to invest your, your kingdom effort, your com- kingdom efforts within the community? Yeah, mm-hmm. so... Um, so I think there's a misnomer that says that if you really care about people, you have to care about everything. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that logistically it's just impossible to funnel resources in a meaningful way toward every problem. Mm. Um, I think that that's just impossible. We, we could make a an entirely insignificant dent in every problem, or we can focus on a problem and we can, and we can go to war. Mm. Right. And so, um, I'm not interested in, um, you know, in taking a garden hose to every house fire in the city. Mm. I want to, I want to bring a fire truck and, and some real kind of power, uh, to one of those fires and make sure that it gets put out. Right. And so um, this was a couple of years ago. We had um, one of those abolitionist societies come to the church. And, and actually, we, I think we found them much more civil uh, than others do. And it's because we, we agree with their cause, right? So these are the people who, uh, who petition the corners outside of Planned Parenthood clinics mm-hmm. with the mm-hmm. signs and stuff. And we agree with their cause, like the cause is life. Um, but they had questioned us. And... and in an accusatory way, like, why aren't you guys out here picketing with us? And our response was, like, like we're combating the same problem on the other side, right? Like, we've got young women in our churches who need to hear the gospel, who need to hear that mm. that, that there is hope and redemption after we make mistakes, right? Uh, who need yeah. to hear that, like, you don't multiply sin upon sin, right? And so... I mean, it's, it's easy to preach those things, like in the story of David and Bathsheba, mm. right? Uh, and so uh, David makes a bad decision with Bathsheba, and then he <laughs> multiplies sin upon sin, mm. and he has Uriah killed. Mm-hmm. Um, and, so, and so our objective in those matters, and so again, we're specifically talking about a matter, but... Um, we believe that on the front end, we can treat those things with the gospel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if we get a, a community of people who get inundated with the gospel, uh, we, can, we can wind up stemming the tide of that problem, if for no one else than for the people with whom we've been entrusted. Mm-hmm. Now, that doesn't abdicate us of the responsibility to be active in our community and to work toward alleviating mm. existing suffering. Right. Because uh, some people I think might hear that and be like, 
Pop out. Is that a, is that your excuse to not to not do anything now? Because mm. you're hitting them with the gospel and you're trying to prevent these things, so now mm. you don't have to reach your hand out. Yeah, no, uh, and so it's it's both and right. But our primary our primary uh, responsibility is is to steward the gospel, right. steward the word of God. Um, you know, again, it's it, it goes back to one of those. Um, So it's it's in a sense it's it's not a, a faithful use of the verse, but I think you'll understand the way in which I'm using it. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and yet lose his soul? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know. So we could become a really powerful organization for social change, and we can do good humanitarian work all over the city. But if we lose our gospel roots, what's it worth? Right. Yeah. Um, I think uh, one of the one of the interesting things is when you look at what the church is meant for. The church, as as you know, the the invisible church, the the body of Christ, is meant for those good works. We were created in Christ Jesus for good works. We we see in Ephesians two, um, like we are meant to do good works. And I think sometimes uh, we we as Christians can look at the organization of the church and say, well, you're not doing those good works. Mm. Why aren't you doing those good works? And ultimately, I think the purpose... Look at the plank uh, in your eye. <laughs> certainly. Uh, but I think that the purpose of the, uh, of the church as an organization is to disciple people so well that they recognize that they need to go out and be a light in their community. And of course, like we're not exempt from that either. Like Like Brian was saying, like we need to... Uh, we need to get out into our community and do and do things for them for the sake of the gospel, which you know of, of course we do we've this past year we've done quite a few really awesome things um for that and to that end uh, but I think if someone is standing on the outside of the church and saying, "Why aren't you doing more in your community uh either the disciple the discipling that you're getting at church isn't really doing doing the work that it needs to in your soul where you you feel the obligation to go out and do those good works um or uh you you need to remove the plank from your eye exactly in in the last 12 months and i'm just kind of off the top of my head um and we're not loud about it because you know, there is a don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing sort of way about doing these types of good and generous mm-hmm. work. Um, but, I mean, just off the top of my head, I mean, we've, uh, so we've, within the last 12 months, we've been in partnership with Hesed House, funneling them food for meals. They had at a certain point closed down and not allowed us to get in there. But we used to be in there for uh, for a day's worth of food every month. Mm-hmm. Um, we've fed the front line at Aurora and Oswego and Naperville. Um, our frontline workers made sure that they had meals. We we had that the the big kind of end of summer back to school uh, to benefit actually kind of specifically some of those lower income families in mm-hmm. our in our community, uh, helping them with their back to school. Uh, initiatives and so and so we've done you know and that's on top of meeting needs that come mm-hmm. to us on a private basis and putting people up in hotels and things like that and and that's not stuff that you're ever loud about because 
the second you're loud about it, you're probably doing it for the wrong reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so I think that the church probably takes a lot of that type of criticism wrongly mm-hmm. um, because I think all churches, if they're first and foremost God-fearing churches, are to the best of their ability seeking the good of the city mm-hmm. for the glory of the Lord. Um, we all want to do that. Right? Right. So, so we had a woman who reached out to us from... Um, she was a she was a recent uh, she's a, she was a, a U.S. resident and she was here just recently. Uh, didn't ha- hadn't found work yet. Reached out to us because her hotel room was gonna she couldn't she could no longer afford it in like within like the next two days. Mm-hmm. And so um, within just a few days, we got her plugged into the the county urban league. Uh, they were able to get her connected. She's now got a job and an apartment and actually. I think the Urban League was interested in possibly hiring her because her credentials were just so impressive. Mm. But it's things like that that come up, and it's just everyday stuff right. um, where we're doing our best to be a light, to seek the good of the city for the glory of the Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reality is, uh, it, Dan nailed it. I mean, it's, it is the, the responsibility of the body of Christ Christ mm-hmm, to right. do the work of ministry and so it's the job of the 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 professional ministers i hate that language but <laughs> i don't know what else to say about it and so in ephesians 4 paul lays out the the ministry roles within the church uh, and then he says that their function is to build up for the building up of the body of christ to do the work of ministry mm-hmm. um, so the work of ministry belongs to the body of christ yeah uh, and, and that should always be empowered by, especially in the United States of America, just kind of the way that we structure things, by the organizational church, mm-hmm. um, empowered and equipped for that. But it, it does. It belongs to all of us. Yeah. There's, uh, there's also this sense um, where uh, people can see needs um, in the community that are, you know, of course, uh, genuine needs. Uh, but we know as Christians that the greatest need that they have really and truly is they need Jesus. They need salvation. And so uh, if we spend all of our time doing doing all these tangible good works, which, again, are good and we should be doing them, but neglect the greatest need mm-hmm. that every human being Ever has, then we're being one less loving, and two we're dishonoring God. Yeah. So I don't know if you feel this, Dan, but especially being in my early twenties, I feel this pressure of I've got a lot of God-fearing men and women in my life on the left and on the right. And sometimes I feel like as I'm forming my own opinions, I get swayed by either Mm. one sometimes. And it's kind of just like, well, you both are making some pretty, pretty good points that seem to line up with scripture, but which one, like, where should I fall 
And so sometimes I feel myself getting pulled by certain voices in my life and then Mm. other voices, but they're both trying their best to be faithful to God. And so I'm kind of just like, well, which one is it? Yeah. I don't know if you feel that at all. Oh, I mean, absolutely. The the circumstances in which we find ourselves often uh, reflect the way that, you know, that we think and the way that we present ourselves. Um, and so if you, if you spend enough time around, uh, around good, strong Christians, you're going to want to be a better, stronger Christian. If you spend enough time around people who are politically left, you're going to start <laughs> thinking about those things. If you spend enough time around people who are politically right, you're going you're gonna to start thinking about those things um, and maybe even be swayed by some of those things. And I think when it comes down to it, uh, Brian said this in the in the last episode is we we should never feel 100% comfortable in uh, in a political party um, and recognize and it's the it's the weird tension of like yes of course this matters but it doesn't matter you know, mm, not uh, in the same way. Yes, yeah, not in the not same, in the way, same absolutely. way. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and so, um, there can be a Christian who is more politically left, um, and as long as what they're believing uh, isn't considered a sin uh, by Scripture, then they are. You know, they can have those opinions and they can believe those things and they can they can vote that way and. Uh, and there's there's unity around that, and uh, for the for the person on the right, the same goes, um, and it's trying to be comfortable living in that tension, knowing that we're not saved by an elephant or a donkey, but by a lamb. Right. Um, and uh, you weren't the first time that I heard that. <laughs> it wasn't original when I said it. There you go. Uh, but um, but yeah, counting counting the cross is more valuable than than how we vote uh, and being okay being swayed like it is okay to to change your mind about certain political things Amen. um it's I, I feel like sometimes we think that oh i've made this stand uh i died on this hill once before now i need to continue to die on this hill even though i'm questioning these mm. things it's like well no you can change your mind it's called growing as a person right um, and the more th- and more that we're conformed into the likeness of Christ, we're going to have our minds changed about the things that we once believed. Right. And so then, Brian, what would you say then to any young person that is just now starting to form opinions politically and is trying to maybe get their bearings underneath them of how do I feel on this? How do I feel on that? And but just trying to stay faithful when there are such strong voices that do have such compelling arguments on both mm. sides. So the young person with whom I'm speaking, are they a Christian? Yes. Okay. Assuming. But, yes. So assuming. That's, that's first and foremost, super mm-hmm. important. And so, um, you know, sometimes, uh, sometimes uh, I feel like the answers that I give are unsatisfying because they're remarkably consistent, right? Mm-hmm. Like your first step is like, you need to know this book. Mm-hmm. Like you need to know what it says. Yeah. Because because if your if your worldview uh, 
uh, isn't founded on a on a solid rock, right? Mm-hmm. Like if the lenses through which you see the world aren't Christian lenses, mm. um, then then your objectives as you approach political matters are going to be just entirely different. And so, yeah. as a believer, so it's one thing to to say, "Yeah, I believe in Jesus." It's another thing entirely to make yourself a disciple of Christ and be a student of His Word, mm. right? Yeah, and so of critical importance, and it's it's not a thing that you, oh yeah, I did that Tuesday, right? Like mm. like this is it, discipleship, the root of the word of discipleship. Disciple is discipline, right? We discipline ourselves for the purpose of godliness. We submit to consistent prayer and Bible reading and bathing our Bible reading in prayer. That we'd say like, Lord, would you help me understand this? This is so much. Mm. And that we would earnestly pursue that. And I, I can't understate, or maybe I can't overstate just how important I think that is. Mm. Because your political legs could be really strong, mm. but you might be standing on sand. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, so it doesn't matter how strong your political legs are if the foundation on which you're standing is is shifty. Mm-hmm. Right. Um and so I would say first and foremost, know the, know the word. And mm-hmm. then the second thing that I would say, without trying to bleed in my own political leanings, because I have them, right? Like everyone does. I have <clears throat> political leanings. And I've already said, uh, you should be comfortable with the discomfort you feel with politics. Mm-hmm. Uh, you won't feel perfectly at home. But be reminded that no decision no position is ever held in a vacuum right yeah right so so lean into trusted voices lean into people you know people you trust maybe maybe a friend who you know who tends to again know the word of god right Mm. get around people who know the book and and then almost systematically look at what does scripture say about this issue that's really important to me because mm. the reality is there so christians get a reputation for being single issue voters right it's like well you only care about this one thing it's like well but if the one thing is super super important mm. does it like does it does it warrant being a one issue voter mm. if that one issue is of such a supreme importance um and I don't think anybody truly is a one-issue voter. I think that that's rhetoric, right? I think mm-hmm. that that's like a an uninformed accusation that gets lobbed at at certain Christians in the political sphere. But uh, know the word, find trusted voices to unpack the word with you on political matters, um, and and do your best to form your own opinions. But understand that no opinion is ever formed in a vacuum. Yeah, right. Like. Everything that you know about anything is something that someone else taught you. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, right. Everything you know about anything. Which is that is, that's crazy that to think about because it's yeah. like, I am not original. <laughs> <laughs> no. And so that's even more so why the thoughts that you're getting that aren't original should probably be informed by the Bible because something's mm-hmm. informing it. You're not just coming up with thoughts, so you got to... Be careful what's getting in your ear. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. No, that's good. Well, thank you guys. Um, We'll catch you guys next time. Thanks.